Welcome to another episode of Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. And uh, we got a lot of things to talk about this week. Uh, Derek, you're back from holidays? I am back. It was a good time away. And it was a nice was... vacation from you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. We had a blast here without you. <laughs> you got to try a whole... Slew. Bunch of your, yes, yes, a slew. A whole slew of new a equipment. A whole slew of your new equipment, your new stuff. Yes. Starting with your tensile tent with you, your wife, your two kids in it, yes. bouncing around. Yeah. Anybody fall out? Anybody? Nobody fell out. It was good. It was, uh, it worked out really well. I, uh, I, I probably won't take it again for family camping. It was, it, it worked out pretty good, but, uh, one thing with a hammock tent and I don't have you ever stayed and slept in a Hennessy in a hammock? hammock yeah. So even with Hennessy's, you can't keep anything in the hammock. And with family camping with a three-year-old and a six-year-old, it's a kind of a pain in the butt. <laughs> Good thing it was car camping because we had the car there to store everything in, right? For right. laying out all the clothes and whatever. coolers and exactly. But for I think for backwoods camping or backcountry camping, I. Like when I uh, take the family this year into Algonquin, I'm not going to take the tensile stingray just because of the difficulty with it. And also the, the, like uh, when I went car camping at Awenda, we brought a backup tent just in case there wasn't trees to tie this thing to, right? But it worked out really good. It was very comfortable. We slept very well. It was, it was, took a little bit of getting used to because there was a lot of adjusting for the first uh, two nights. And uh, it was funny that... On the first night, like there's three points this thing hangs from. So one point was about three feet from a tree. The other two points were probably about 12 or 14 feet from a tree. So you can imagine those two points on the hammock would sag a bit. Right. So we all went to sleep. I was on one edge, Siobhan was on the other edge, and then the two kids were in that third pocket. And uh, I remember waking up around three in the morning and the whole hammock, because of the sag, of the two other points from this because of the large span. We just imagine a, a bowl with spoons on it. This is how I explain it to everybody. So imagine, and you tip the bowl to one side and all the spoons rattle to one edge of the, of the plate. <laughs> so that was us. So we woke up and we were piled on top of each other in one corner of the hammock. <laughs> and we're, you know, there's uh, kids were half on top of me, half underneath me. We're just stacked and racked in the corner. Of the, so what I ended up doing is I, I cut some, uh, some thick branches and I propped up each of the two, those two corners. And then for the rest of the week at uh, Awanda Provincial Park, everything was stayed on a level keel. Right. So that, that's, that's the sag. If you're too far from trees, you end up getting that long length of canvas, uh, just the way it sagged. Right. So it was, you know, there was a few little learning things to do with the tent and, and, uh, we learned a lot with, uh, setting up and tensioning and, and whatnot, but it, uh, it was very comfortable and eh, I'm getting old, right? I'm, I don't <laughs> sleep on the ground that well anymore. So that's why I'm, I'm starting to gravitate to more towards hammocks and I love sleeping in my Hennessy. And this one was interesting. It was fun. And, uh, but I don't think I'd take the kids in it again. The kids loved it. Like it was like a trampoline for them. Oh yeah. Now I saw pictures where, that you'd posted there. Um, it was about six feet off the ground. It was, I'd say it was five feet off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you guys get up through the middle? Yeah. And it was no problem. Now, what well, about we the middle the, of the night? Well, we had to lift the kids in and out because mm-hmm. they couldn't climb in and out. And it was, it's funny because when it, we, when it was saggy the first night, you just pulled it down and Siobhan could get into it because she's kind of short. But, uh, once I propped up to two corners, so there was no sag we had to put a cooler under for her to get in because I, I have a video on my phone of her struggling to get in. You don't have the little ladder thing that goes with. No, I didn't order the ladder. It was, uh, it was an extra 70 bucks, but I'm considering buying the ladder. Or just get a step ladder. But if I do interior camping, I'm not going to use a step ladder. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) You can build one every time. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah, so it worked out good, but... Um, it was very comfy, but it's just not appropriate for So it says kids. for like four people sort of thing, but you would it's maybe... It's for three. Or for three people. You figure if two of the kids, they were little kids, that'd yeah. be the third, but you wouldn't do more than two in it. Uh, no, I would do three people, but I wouldn't do kids. Okay. 
just because of the of the logistics of the kids trying to get them in and out and you know the kids having to go pee in the middle of the night and this that the other thing so it, it turned out to be a bit of a pain in the butt well that was my question was middle of the night having to go for a pee break like, the whole thing moves yeah. yeah so if you're in there you're snoozing and somebody needs to go pee yeah well the three yeah, everybody's awake my three-year-old beckett it every every time you roll over or turned or shifted he would like he would wake up a bit and start to cry a bit. So, you know, he woke up like 50 times a night. So it was, oh. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I'm sure the, uh, our neighbors weren't very appreciative of him, uh, squealing out in the middle of the night. Uh, I could imagine. And with a normal tent, he's just, he just passes out for the whole night. He doesn't move. He's like a little rock. Right. And so we've taken him camping oh, about a dozen times now and he just sleeps the night except for in the hammock. So hmm. and all the movement, it, it was disrupting him. So definitely a, uh, a learning curve and, uh, getting to, to know it and how to sleep Absolutely. comfortably. Absolutely. Wow. I found it very comfortable. I really liked it. It was, it was, uh, an interesting setup and oh, it was, it, it was, uh, the talk of the town, I guess you could say. It, you'd see people bombing by the campsites all the time, right? People go pretty fast in some of these parks. Yes. But almost everybody always slowed down when they passed our site. <laughs> to look at this thing. Well, I can imagine. I mean, I've only seen the pictures. And but... you could, they'd be driving by and you'd hear a voice coming from the car. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it would make me feel a little self-conscious because I'm not normal. I'm, I don't normally like being a center of attention. And, uh, and that's what we were. A couple of people stopped by and talked and asked about it. And so it was, it drew, uh, it drew a lot of uh, discussion from the neighboring campsites. Right. Well, but you, you got a chance to do it. Now, having slept in a Hennessy hammock where it's sort of closed in on you. Yeah. And now sleeping in this kind of hammock. Well, what's nice about this, like the Hennessy, you, you can feel a little claustrophobic. Mm -hmm. But this here is, it's wide. It's just like a tent. It's like a big tent. And so everybody's spread out just like in a normal tent. And, but you're in your own little pocket that holds you from moving around. And you're, there's like three hammocks in one type thing, right? right. Basically. So it's, uh, you don't feel that claustrophobic feeling. Yeah. And see, I mean, that's with, uh, I've got the Eureka Spitfire solo tent. Yeah. And basically it's about the same size as the Hennessy hammock, maybe a bit smaller. So it feels a little... So yeah. there's some people, I mean, I'm fine in it, but um, I know a couple of people that have, have slept in it for a night because they wanted to try it and they're just absolutely claustrophobic. Yeah. It, you know? Yeah. Because with the Hennessy, the sides are right by your head. Like you, mm -hmm. you, you actually have to lift your head up to see out through the mesh in the Hennessy. And so, yeah, a lot of people do find it a little tight inside. And and I, I got used to it. I, the first few times I slept in, I was a little paranoid because I felt like I was going to suffocate, but you're not going to suffocate in a Hennessy hammock. They're actually really, really good. Yeah. So the only thing I didn't like about the Hennessy was the, uh, the line that goes straight across the top. Oh. I kept hitting my head on it, like right across my face. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with the, with, when I sleep my Hennessy, it's a, an ASIM hammock. Mm -hmm. So I always sleep at a 45 degree angle. Yeah. So I'm not under that line. Yeah. Well, it was the first time I just tried it out because somebody wanted to try out my, my, um, solo, my yeah. Spitfire. So we switched for the night and neither of us liked what <laughs> the, <laughs> the other had. So yeah. <laughs> that worked out well. Yeah. <laughs> With the Hennessy too, I found that, uh, I remember until I got used to the Hennessy, like I think the first two or three times I slept in it, I would wake up because I would roll over in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. I'd wake up and I'm sleeping on the bug netting. And the bottom of the tent is above me. So it was a good thing the bug netting is strong because, you know, I'm kind of laying on my side. I look down, it's like, I can see the ground. It's like, I'm sleeping on the bug net. <laughs> <laughs> so he, 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 with the Hennessy, you got to learn to uh, not move too much. Yeah. Well, that's, and, and I, I, I move, I roll around when I sleep. So. Yeah. Um, now there was a second thing that you, you picked up. My anti-gravity battery pack. Mm -hmm. So I was, uh, this was a big test. The, my main reason I bought it was for, was for traveling and for on the road. And it's a, it's a booster pack and you can charge phones and other electronics with it. Yeah. So, Cause you, you wanted to buy it for, um, for motorcycle my, trips. My motorcycle trips. Yes. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it works really good. It, uh, it's 12,000 milliamp hours, the battery. Mm -hmm. So I figure like I did, uh. I did a test throughout the week at Awenda and I took it down to about, I did two full charges of 
my wife's phone and my phone. And that took it down to, that used up about three quarters of the charge. So I figured I could have got another three, almost another, maybe a full charge out on my phone. And my phone's a uh, Samsung S7. So it's a 3,600 milliamp hour battery, which is a pretty big battery. My wife's battery is, I think, 2,400 milliamp hour. So, uh, it, uh, it worked out really good. It uh, still had a lot of charge left. And I, usually if we went for a drive, I we would charge it during the day and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, when, when you're backcountry camping, this is obviously not a priority because I don't bring any electronics. But for car yeah. camping, it was it was pretty key for, for charging the phone and charging cameras and stuff like that. Yeah, but you know what? Like, that's the thing about car camping is you can bring these items and test them out and you're not stuck in, you know, Exactly. Four or five lakes yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, especially with your tent. I mean, what if you got in there and you found out you just couldn't use it at all? Yeah. Then the next day, you're heading right back out because <laughs> you have no tent. Yes. But uh, I'm sure, you know, I, I do know a lot of people that are taking their cell phones in specifically for um, their cameras. Not, mm-hmm. not to use them as taking a, as pictures a, as and a stuff, phone, yeah. but, yeah. you know, I mean, the, the cameras that are on them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess you could, you could charge some smaller cameras and camera batteries and stuff like that as well yeah. with that thing. So, you know, uh, on a, on a canoe trip, that's, that's pretty cool. Now we've done the long canoe trips where we've brought an iPods for Broughton, brought iPods for, <laughs> for, uh, uh, you know, play a little bit of music or yep. something like yep. that. And again, this is perfect for yes. recharging. It, it would be, yeah, it is perfect. And 12,000 milliamp hours, that's a, that's a huge source of battery power. And one thing I need to check out is I want to find a small solar charging thing. Because it, uh, some of the trips that I've done with, uh, with my buddy from work is, and we went up to like Solace Lands and whatever up north of Sudbury. And, uh, so when we were trying to, uh, find the Nostawagan routes and uh, the, all the lost uh, native routes, mm-hmm. we had a lot of, we did uh, topo maps and GPS maps on his phone. So he was charging his phone a lot. Plus he played some music and whatnot throughout yeah. the trip. So he had uh, an 8,000 milliamp hour battery, backup battery for charging his phone. And uh, it lasted most of the week, but he, uh, most of the time his phone was off. Right. So, but, uh, and, you know, it's not like you're getting cell service or anything like that. Yeah. And we, when we did our big, uh, our 10 day loop there um, back in the fall, with the cloud cover and everything, we had the um, solar panel charger. Okay. So you leave it out on your pack on, as you're your going pack, through the day, can, yeah. or if you're sitting around camp, you leave it out so the sun can get. But in a really cloudy day, it's not charging very. It's fast. not charging very well at yeah. all. Yeah. So you know, you know, you get four or five days in a row where there's no good sun to charge it. Yes. And you're relying on it for your cell phone or your camera or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's hit or miss, I think, with that sort exactly. of thing. But, uh, but no, it was, it was, it's the technology for making your batteries last that little bit longer mm-hmm. is, is come a long way. Yep. You know, so, so that was a, you're, are you happy with it though on a whole? Yes, I am. Uh, I thought I would get a few more charges out of it for my phone. And from the talk with the guy at the shop when I bought it, I thought, it, I really thought I'd get more, but just, just doing the math, it makes sense that I was only going to get like just less than three full charges on my phone because it's a 12,000 milliamp hour battery and my phone battery is a 3,600 milliamp hour. So it's not, you know, there's some heat losses and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, you can pretty much, uh, equate milliamp hour to milliamp hour when charging a phone and whatnot. So it, it does make sense. The, uh, the amount of charge that I got out of it. Yeah. Well, you got a chance to use it and now you just yeah. have to test it some more and, yeah, and hopefully I'm, it'll work out for what you want. Not, I don't want to get into the situation where I actually need a boost, but uh, I'm looking forward to having to use it to boost to see how that function works. Yeah. I, I did, uh, I did hook it up to a car battery just to see and, and, uh, like you only hook it up for like 30 seconds and it tells you to turn it off immediately. You're not supposed to keep it on, on potential on the battery once you're boosting, mm-hmm. but it, it gives you that good little bit of a boost for a battery. Good. So it worked out pretty good. Good. And I really like attachments liked it. that come with. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a ton of attachments there. It, you can use it as a, a to power a laptop and, and whatever. There's a lot of different, uh, outputs on it. Like it's got uh, five volt, two amp output. Uh, it's got a 12 volt, eight amp output and it's got a laptop, a 19 volt, 3.5 amp output. 
Yeah, because I know when I'm on my canoe trips, I love bringing my laptop along. <laughs> but you know what I mean, like for car camping or for yeah. for tripping or for if you're on a business trip or whatever, it makes a it's a good backup battery to charge laptop or whatever mm-hmm. if you're out on the road and doing something for business. Yeah. So good. it works out good. And there's also like this for anti-gravity, they also have an 18,000 milliamp hour battery. So it's uh, probably about 30% bigger than the one I have in my hand now. This one here, wow. this one here is the size of an old uh, cell phone type thing. Yeah. One of those yeah. bricks. It's a, uh, what is it? Uh, two and a half by six inches, one inch thick. Yeah. It's a good size. It's uh, it's it's portable. But it would stick. You know, you could wedge that into your pack somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Not a problem. I wouldn't take the whole bundle of stuff. I wouldn't take no, the booster just take pack. No, you just take what you need just, it for. Yeah, just take the basics. Yeah. So yeah, it worked out really good. I like it. Good. And the third Kickstarter thing that you applied to, unfortunately, didn't get here in time for you to go. Not for camping, no. No, but uh, the, your Enki stove. Yes. Your twig stove here. So. Uh, we was, tried that. We tried it last night. Yeah. Couldn't really figure it out. Couldn't get it working, but it was dark. We're out in, in your backyard 11 and stuff. o'clock at night. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what a perfect time to start playing with a stove. Exactly. 11 o'clock at night on a so, Wednesday night. So this afternoon I, I played around with it and uh, it's, uh, so like we've talked earlier, it, the Yankee Stove's kick, Kickstarter campaign, we've seen it uh, a few on a few websites now. A lot of people have reviewed it. So it came uh yesterday and uh i used it today boiled a couple of pots of water today with it it uh i actually went to the hardware store because they they on the website and stuff they talk about using wood pellets just like the same wood pellets you get for a a home wood stove or whatever right yeah and it's also the same kind of pellets that you can buy for uh, bedding for horses and stuff so it's a it's a very large bag like a like a large dog food bag and not something you'd be bringing on a canoe trip n- absolutely not no, but, uh, it, uh, for like car camping or for whatever, if you, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're just doing a, a short trip, you could bring a Ziploc baggie of, of pellets. But yeah, anyways, if you're doing day trips or something like that, yeah. I mean, you leave it at the campsite, you just scoop into a little bag and yeah. bring it in your day pack. Right? Yeah, exactly. So with the, with the wood pellets I bought at the hardware store, it was $7 and 50 cents for a large, large bag. That's going to last me about 10 years. but uh i tried that today and that what we did last night we had it too full so the the ventilation was blowing the flames out so today i dropped it about an inch and a half below the top vent holes and uh put a little fire starter in there the little uh what do you call it wax wood or whatever uh so got it started and i probably could have burned for about 20 minutes but uh, it uh Gave off enough heat that I boiled water in eight and a half minutes with the pellets. And, uh, and I found a bunch of, uh, really old dry, super dry wood in my backyard from the tree that fell. Uh, and the wood was too dry and it was too punky. Soft and Too soft. So it, it burned up too quick. It never actually, I, I was never able to boil a full pot of water. I was starting to feed more wood in, but it just burned up so quick. And, and, uh, so it ended up, uh, if I had hard, hardwood or if I had thicker branches to chop up into smaller pieces of fitness thing, it'd be great. So it, uh, Mikey, he's got one of these, uh, what do you, what do you call this stove? The um, twig stoves. Twig stoves. Yeah. So Mikey, he's got a twig stove with a battery ba- battery to blow the fan, to force air through. Mm-hmm. His is nice. He's It's got a large opening and you can put a decent amount of wood in it. And uh, when you did the Brent run, he cooked with that thing. And uh, Yeah, but I mean, he that thing had a capacity that's probably four times what this is. Yes, exactly. I this, mean, there was a lot. He could cram so much wood in there. Exactly. Bag. So his, his does have a higher capacity. This here, you could... Uh, if you had decent wood, uh, some deadfall and whatever, some small chunks that you threw in there, you probably boil a pot and then simmer, you know, so you can make a pot of spaghetti or a pot of pot of pasta mm-hmm. or something. So it wouldn't, but unfortunately, you'd have to dump out the ashes and start from scratch for a second boil, right? So that's the one thing, unfortunately, that you could. Uh, if you started right off the bat and started throwing twigs and branches the whole time, you could probably keep it going for a good 20 minutes with twigs, but it is again, going to burn up pretty quick. 
Well, the thing I like most about this is it looks like brushed aircraft aluminum it's in the nice. shape of a nuclear power plant. <laughs> it does. looks like a cooling it tower. Looks, it looks like a cooling tower from a new, like one of those cone-shaped, yeah. sloped... Like on The um, Simpsons. Yeah, like on The Simpsons. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what yeah. it looks like. I mean, it's a really cool-looking thing. Yeah, it is. It's it's nice looking. It's uh, it has a neat neat design. It's sleek. From Italy. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, stylish. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on up there. I pay yeah. you too much. <laughs> and the battery that comes with it to run the little fan. It's a ten thousand milliamp hour battery. Mm-hmm. So that's I'm charging my phone on it right now, and uh, so it's uh, it's a decent little uh, battery. It's a high end battery. Now, whether it's just this one or it's a flaw or something like that, last night. I got an email from them today. Yeah. And you questioned them on the connection? They sent an email to everybody because a few people have complained. Okay. So it's a, the connection on the stove itself is a 2.1 millimeter and the cable that feeds power in from the battery is a 2.5 millimeter. Okay. So there's, there's just so people know it, there's a cable that goes from the battery pack into the bottom of this stove where the fan is. Yeah. And it connects, plugs into there. It's almost like, um, like putting a power adapter onto, you know, like a... Yeah, for your, la- the, your laptop. For a a non-Macintosh, so a, a standard PC laptop, that yeah. round plug, the 2.5 millimeter yeah. plug. So that's what feeds it. So they, they've uh, realized that they have uh, only a certain, I think they said they figure about a quarter of the ones have this mismatch in size. So the, the fan wasn't running consistently last night. So they're going to mail me out a, an adapter so that it'll adapt from the 2.1 millimeter connection to the 2.5 millimeter connection. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. So that's they've, good. they've already realized it and, uh, they're shipping those out now. Awesome. So that, that'll solve that little problem. Yeah. So all in all, it's a pretty neat thing if you're using the wood chips. Yes. It, it, you know, it, it's great too. If like, if you want to rely, if you want to do a trip and you want to rely solely on, on scrap wood around your campsite or on a, or on a backwoods trip, it's perfectly fine. But every time you, like, if you make your dinner, you're going to have to restart the whole thing from scratch again to boil water for coffee. Right. So there's a bit of a pain in the butt there, unless you find some really decent hardwood that you can chunk up and throw in and it might last for two boils. Hmm. So that, that's the only thing. And boy, does it get hot. Like it's too hot to touch once you've uh, boiled a pot of water. And you were saying the bottom where the fan is even was pretty. It, it was getting pretty warm in the bottom too where the yeah. fan is. Yeah. Hmm. So, but uh, we'll see. We'll uh, see if it stands the test of time. Well, I think you need to actually take it out into a wilderness setting yes. and give it a whirl, not just in our backyard where it's sort of controlled. Oh, and I should add, one of my main concerns, and remember the Vital Grill that I had reviewed on a previous episode? Yeah. So the Vital Grill put a lot of black and wet, sooty, creosote-like tar on the pot. Right. So I boiled, I did three attempts at boiling water. That's why you let me use my pot last night. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I took one of my camp stoves. Yeah. And I boiled... Tried to boil water three times, you know, I ran out of wood. But anyways, I did uh, three boils and there was very, very little sooty black stuff on the pots itself. So, so this thing, it burned so clean that there was no smoke and there was no sooty, creosote layer on the pot, which is what concerned me with the Vital Grill because it just, it was like tarry wet. And I thought, well, I don't want to have my pots all blackened like that. Mm-hmm. So that's, so I am impressed with this. It is a very clean burn. Good. Yeah. Cause last night when we were trying it out there, I noticed there was a lot of smoke coming out of that. Yeah. We couldn't get it running properly yeah. last night. Well, like I guess I think it's, we're sort of watching the video there and realize we had it too high. Yeah. The, the, the fuel inside was piled too high. Yeah. Um, but when it goes, yeah. when you have it loaded properly with uh, chips or with uh, wood sticks, it's like a blowtorch it, uh, and it throws off a lot of heat. Hmm. Good. So it's pretty impressive. So you're pretty, uh, you're pretty happy with all your I am. I'm satisfied with We'll see uh, test of time if the, uh, fan will melt down or something like that. Yeah. But, uh. Well, I mean, that looks, looks like a, you'd probably be able to replace that fan, I would think. Yeah. It's, uh, it looks like a simple, Just a standard uh, little. Standard laptop fan. Yeah. On the bottom. And it comes with tools so I can, it comes with all the little tools to disassemble and, uh. And uh, put in a new fan, I guess. Yeah. So I just have to maybe go to a hardware store or something, the Princess Auto or something, and see if I can find a replacement fan if I if I ever need it. 
Yeah. So will that also that that's the the only moving part. The only thing that could fail is the fan on the it's bottom. It's the fan. Yeah, but then you're, I guess you're hooped <laughs> because it won't <laughs> it won't operate without that fan. Yeah, but you'd have yourself a nice nuclear power plant statue <laughs> on your on your yeah. fireplace I'll mantle. To, I'll have to get some <laughs> uh, some trefoil, some uh, nuclear. Uh, warnings labels for it <laughs> <laughs> it is it does look nice it, it has a nice little sleek design to it yeah it does it really does <laughs> maybe that's to make you buy it and you don't don't worry about it actually working yes so, <laughs> take some uh, getting used to to, yeah. to to get it working properly but yeah uh, yeah it's still uh still in the the, the experimental stage and yeah. see how it goes and here lift it up it's uh it's not too bad for weight it's not too bad for white for... Uh, no, not really at all, eh? Yeah. But it's not as compact as my white gas stove. No. Oh, definitely not as compact. I mean, mm -hmm. you can't fold this down. I mean, yeah. mind you, if a bear comes running at you, you got yourself a weapon. You could whip it at the bear, yeah. Yeah. Now, the the other thing we should mention before we, we head to a break here is uh, they've got a car camping version, which is like... <laughs> oh, it stands... <laughs> I, I think you could put a, a small child inside that thing <laughs> from the video I saw on TV. It, yeah, it looked pretty huge, the uh, the larger style one. Yeah, that's yeah. that's massive. Well, it's good to hear you got a chance to use some of your stuff here. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to seeing how this actually works out uh, on a canoe trip or, or a day hike or something. Yeah, I'm looking forward to trying it out. All right, well, let's take a quick break, and then uh, we'll come back with a few more things. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. And we're back, and I want to talk about another kickstart, because apparently the, anything paddle-related apparently is nothing but Kickstarters, I'm finding. there's It's it's amazing how many things you do find on Kickstarter. And uh, what's the other one? There's Kickstarter and there's Indiegogo or something. Yeah. So I, I, I follow a lot of stuff on Kickstarter, and I've seen a few things on Indiegogo. Kickstarter, is ve they're very strict about how you present your product and they, they they don't want anybody a lot of kickstarter campaigns do fail but there kickstarter has a lot of very strict rules to prevent that from happening yeah but there just seems to be a lot of it um i mean and you're the king of of kickstarters <laughs> in this place that's for sure um but one that was bouncing around for a little bit here and it, i was tagged in this but i don't know how many people Said, you know, Sean, this dude, check, check this, this out. out. Check it out, Sean, Sean, Sean. So I, I kept an eye on this. This fella over in Brussels, Belgium, um, has put together a team of eight people and started this Kickstarter called Onak Canoes. Perhaps you've seen it. It's a, a foldable origami style canoe. So basically, it starts out. It's got you put we you put in this little case with wheels. It's like rolling airport luggage. It, that's exactly yeah. what it looks like. It looks like something you tote. You know, you see the the airline steward is going to her flight with that little tote uh, luggage behind her on the wheels. Yeah. And you pull this thing out. You lay it flat. It folds out flat on the ground, and then doing these little origami folds and with some straps, you end up folding this thing up into a canoe and it's this polypropylene uh, based material they've done something to it there the inside there's these honeycomb funky stuff they've done it looks um, very hardy it, it does it does but it's it's <laughs> for all intents and purposes it's a folding canoe that you can take anywhere it does look a little funky when it's together yeah but it looks it looks seaworthy. It looks like you can trust it. 
Yeah, if you want to take a peek at it, go to ONAC, O-N-A-K, canoes, all one word, onaccanoes.com. Um, and yeah, it's, it is a pretty funky design. Um, it's, it's quite a, uh, neat concept that for sure. Uh, he says it's taken him a long time of folding and unfolding paper to come up with this thing. Um, but yeah, they call it their patent pending honeycomb curve polypropylene material. Um, and being in the industry I'm in is we, we've done, dealt with some polypropylene stuff and if it's done right, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good, uh, it's it can strong. be a good, strong uh, material to use. Um, the canoe that they've got, and they've just finished the Kickstarter, as a matter of fact, and they've actually got their, what they asked for and they wanted, and uh, they're starting to put in production. Now you can pre-order them. Um, but the canoe itself is, what do we say, uh, 15 and a quarter feet long. Do they come as different sizes or is it one size? From what I've seen, it's just the one size. One size fits all. You can order with paddles or without paddles. <laughs> Those are your options. I, w- I would order it without paddles. <laughs> well, and, that, and the other thing is this is, this is like I say, over in uh, Belgium and whatnot. Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't know what it would cost to ship one. Is it one. standard paddles that would come with it or is it yeah, they're foldable, foldable, folding foldable paddles. paddles? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, plastic uh, looking... Almost like the old, the, the rafting style paddles. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, it says it'll hold 440 to 550 pounds capacity. Well, that's not bad. Nope. Um, that's two people in their gear. It weighs 27 pounds when all folded up. That's surprisingly light. That's nice. Yeah. Because I know the, uh, the, the, uh, the pack canoes and stuff, like the inflatables or the, uh, or the foldable ones, they they tend to be a little bit heavy. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm looking at my canoe, and it is what 37 pounds, so it's only 10 pounds heavier. Yeah, but it doesn't fold up. I can't take it on the train, on the bus, throw it in the trunk of my car. Yeah, you know, though they do do a video of over in Copenhagen, I do believe it is. Yeah, um, they've got these uh, what do they call them luggage, not luggage. Uh, luggage bikes anyway, that you can, you haul stuff around. You, you put yeah stuff on the bicycles. front. Yeah. Like a, and yeah. this thing, he straps this thing right onto the front. Now it's sticking out. It looks kind of weird sticking out when he's driving his bike, but you can, yeah. I mean, that's what they're doing over there is riding their bikes everywhere. So you strap this on and off you go and uh, go out for the day. And they're saying this is pretty good for urban, um, exploration, especially, I mean, if you were in Venice or something like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's I mean, <laughs> huge, right? Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, just the, just the folding, the folding it up when you're done. Yeah. You know, I mean, t- you get, well, you get like these inflatable ones uh, and you, you know, you got to foot pump them or put them on a little, you know, uh, automatic pump sort of thing. And you wait and you wait and you wait. This thing here, you just unfold it flat on the ground and then you fold it back up with, put the straps on, tighten it all up and off you go. Is the bottom flat or is it slightly curved? Slightly curved by the looks of it. I wonder how much it does look from the look of it. doesn't look like there's much drag. No, they say it's a quite the, the good thing. Now they've shown it in headwinds. They've shown it on nice rivers. If you go to their site, uh, there's, they have all these little, um, YouTube videos, YouTube videos yeah. and stuff. And like one discovering Oslo. You know, paddling through one centimeter ice. Um, then they talk about the stability test where he's the one guy sitting it and he's rocking back and forth and he eventually tips it, but it took a lot for him to tip it though. Uh, but it's filled with water, you know, and it just, he just turns it right back over. Huh. So, and jumps right, and he gets right back into it. The only drawback that I see is these straps. And that realistically is the only con I've seen of this thing. Um, I mean, without trying one. You mean like getting in the way or something? Yeah. And that would be my big thing is, is where you, if you picture a typical canoe that you're sitting in the front, for instance, where you'd be putting your legs, they're straps over the top, right? They have seats, I guess, right? Yeah. They got these hanging seats that hang, hang off the, uh. So it's like strap seats. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of them, two of them, you can move them around, I guess. Um, 
But that would be, that's my my big thing is those straps. I don't know how much those would get in the way. And like I say, something like that, you really wouldn't be able to tell until you started tripping with yes. one of these. Right now, I think all they're using them for is urban e- exploration, as I said. Uh, they're they're going around towns and, you know, offshore. Um, it'd be like us going down to uh, Harbor Front in Toronto. Yeah. And just tootling around there, right? Um, what I see as an advantage of these, though, is that uh, if you're going to do a remote backcountry fly-in trip, I, I think that's where the advantage of these comes up. Instead of the inflatables or folding, like if you a lot of float planes, like the rule is, they can only bring one full-size canoe. You're so, only allowed to strap one canoe to the floats. Yeah. 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 So this here, you could throw four canoes in the, in the cargo hold of a of a beaver and head off into the into the backcountry, right? Well, and you know, I mean, we've always talked about going to the Thompson River. Yeah. And a big chunk of the expense getting in from Aqualuit is the canoes. Yes. I mean, they can fit a couple of canoes in inside uh, the the big planes, but I mean, you're paying for that. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Whereas these here, you can take a smaller plane. And like you say, throw a couple of them in yep. there. And when you get there, you just lay them out and fold them up. <laughs> and because you're not going through all these rapids and heavy duty, I think, I think this would be perfect for something like up there. Absolutely. It you would know, be. these, these mild rivers that you're just tootling along, right? Yeah. Now, the pricing. How much are they? If you order one with no paddles... You're looking at 1,195 euros, which is $1,730 Canadian or 1330 US. If you want paddles, <laughs> that's 1,295 euros or $1,877 Canadian, $1,441 US. Now, that does seem steep, but... It does, but I was looking online at inflatable canoes, and they are comparable. Uh Uh-huh. Well, the inflatables are, I think, more expensive. I was... Yeah, I was looking at um, an inflatable one. It was 16 feet because I was basing it on this is 15 and a quarter versus a 16-footer. It is sort of comparing apples to oranges, but when you're looking at price for an inflatable versus this fold up one the 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 inflatable I was looking at was two thousand dollars yeah so I mean this thing here is like uh two hundred seventy five dollars cheaper yeah however you then have... you've got to do the shipping I don't I don't think that this uh seventeen thirty includes shipping to North America from Brussels <laughs> yeah, it, it'd probably add up. Like it'd probably be another hundred or so euro to uh, to ship the to thing. To ship it here, so so you, yeah. I mean, when you put in shipping and you put in you know the cost of it and all that, I think you're probably looking at the same as if you went up to like the paddle shack or something like that and uh, and picked out yourself a, an inflatable canoe. And definitely this this would go with your tensile tent if you want to be center of attention, mister. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> You'd be sitting there and they go, man, look at that guy's tent and his canoe. But oh. now, <laughs> but now if you think about these, like this looks like it'd be hardier than an inflatable canoe or kayak. So you'd be worried about puncturing a, a one of the uh, sponsons, pontoons, whatever on a, on a canoe or kayak. But this here, I think is hardier than, than the inflatables. Well, and what about weight? I don't know. Did you look up what uh, the weight of a inflatable sixteen foot canoe? No, I never. I never got that far into that. I think those. I, I recall them being kind of heavy. I just can't remember the exact weight, but I think they're like eighty pounds or something. Yeah, because it's heavy on. It's heavy waterproof canvas, uh, waterproof canvas type material. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I don't know if you're going through on a backcountry trip with this. And you hit some rocks or something. What's it gonna do? I don't know. I, I but it uh, it's a it's a thick plastic, so I think it would do quite well. But I know that there are some plastics that we use that when you hit it, they crack. <laughs> okay, Especially that might be a problem over time, like with age yes. and, and UV weather damage and sun damage. When it, so you, I I would be more concerned using this in the shoulder seasons. 
Now I'm talking from Canadian sort of, you know, what I'm used to in in Canada here. Um, Because in the shoulder seasons, well, I mean, last October, we started at, um, you know, like 15, 20 degrees above. And by the end of our trip, you know, a couple weeks later, we're, we're like below freezing. And at that point, if you hit that and it's frozen, yeah, you're cracking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be well now that the Kickstarter's down there, you could direct order from them. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I imagine over the next, I don't know when these things. There's, they say it's the delivery this winter, December, January. So I guess we'll start seeing reviews uh, come spring when people start using them. So I'd be interested to see how these things turn out. You know what? A really cool design, a really cool idea. I mean, I got to get the uh, Otto Frank P. Van Destine. Uh, he's the guy that came up with this. Um, he's, you know, he went uh, through a lot of work to get this out there, um, come up with these ideas, the designs and all that, and, you know, hats off to him. It, it looks pretty cool. The, the price seems to be comparable. Like I say, I don't know what it costs to get one over here. Uh, my thing would be, how well would it hold up to canoe trippers? Yeah. Yes. You know, is it something that a canoe tripper would find useful, especially like you say, going up, up Northern Canada to Thompson river, stuff like that. Um, would it survive rapids? Would it survive Mm -hmm. just, you know, couple week long canoe trip through the wilderness? If you did punch a hole in it, how would you patch it? Yeah. Because you get, you get patch kits for the folding or the inflatable canoes, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just a standard, uh, patch. But these here, I think with the hard plastic, you might, uh, maybe duct tape will do. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very interested to see, uh, keep an eye on this and see where it goes, but, uh, very interested to see how it would fit with what we do, um, out in the wilderness and stuff like that. See how well it would hold up. Uh, or does it just end up being a urban exploration tool, right? So, all right, well, let's take another quick break here. And uh, you have an update on uh, something you've been watching that you want to chat about on the Angava Peninsula, correct? Absolutely. All right, we'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. The Angava Peninsula, we've talked about this a couple of times. Um, Derek, you've been following... Lynette and Lester. Yes, uh, I've been following Lynette and Lester. I, I, we, when I did one of my Derek's destinations a while back, I was researching the uh, Des Moines River and I came across one of their trip reports. And that's how I discovered their website where they, uh, since 1998, they've been doing all kinds of uh, different trips. And they, they're, it's, it's, they, they do some very challenging trips. So it's, uh, it's very interesting to follow them. So it's uh, Lynette Chubb and Latso Kovac, but people call them Lester. So they, uh, they've got this uh, trip report website. If you, if you Google Lynette and Lester, you'll probably come right across it. Um, so they, they did the, the trip that they're doing right now that they just finished, they did the same route back in 2011. They're supposed to do a slightly different version of it this time, but, uh, about 12 days in, they decided to divert and do the familiar route down to, uh, uh, Pooh Vernatuk. Uh, this is, so anybody who, I don't know if everybody is aware of where the Ungava Peninsula is, but that's the Northern Peninsula of Quebec in Canada. So they... They were supposed to go into Okulavik, 
and they diverted. They didn't change the water course. They uh, followed the uh, familiar route from 2011, and they went into Puvernatuk. It's uh, which is what Hudson Bay, James Bay, Hudson's Bay, Hudson's yep. Bay. So they they started this trip in July 6th, and they landed in Puvernatuk on August 4th. So they they finished the trip. Uh, if you go on their website, they have a daily output. They have in, they have an inReach satellite system. So its inReach allows you to send basic text messages that uh, will self populate to their uh, their map. Uh, uh, Latso Kovac he he's a software engineer and he's uh, works out of Ottawa and uh, so he he wrote some uh, computer script and so he has it all automatically updating his website so they they just use the inreach satellite connection it's just like spot but with inreach you can uh, send basic messages so he has a daily report so uh, at the end of each day he updates uh, everybody and uh, at midday at lunch he updates everybody so about usually twice a day they send a, a message up so it it was just fascinating to follow uh Lynette and Lester as they went on this trip i believe there's four people on this trip uh, 2011 there was six of them i think anyways they start at the pingalowit crater so this is a 3 kilometer uh, diameter crater in uh, northern quebec and they tripped from the crater itself and uh, down westerly in a westerly direction west and south into uh Puvernatuk. and uh it was very exciting to watch the trip it was uh, very exciting to see their updates and and uh it was uh i i can't even imagine like they the, the, with all their experience they talk about how bad the bugs are and their descriptions of the bugs and on previous trips they've had uh, photo- photographs of uh, how many bugs are on each other and it's, it's really shocking how thick the bugs are. Well, living in Moosonee uh, those years ago, uh, I know exactly what they're talking about. Uh, it's, it's horrendous. When the bugs start going, especially the black flies. Yeah. Horrendous. Yeah. And they talked about how warm it was on this trip. So some of the days, like they're wearing, because the water's so cold, they're wearing dry suits. So it's, they're wearing dry suits to protect them from the cold unless they go in because they're doing a lot of white water, like class three or plus. And they, there's some of the white water so hard that they've been lining or portaging around some of these sections. And they're very experienced paddlers. They're, uh, they're very experienced with white water, with white water paddling. But they, even, even with that, they were, uh, they were portaging some of these rapids. So they, they, uh, on each day, on each update, you would read how they've, uh, some of the dramatic, uh, whitewater or liftovers or whatever. It's, uh, some really big water that they're traveling on. I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll post the link to their map yes. with all the little dots they've put on yeah. because you can click on all these little dots and they've, each one has a little daily update. Yes. And that's what the inReach populated those yeah. updates. Yeah. We'll put that on our, our Facebook page. Yeah. But it's just a, their, their trips. If you go to their uh, website, uh, you, you see all the trips that they've done. It's, it's very, uh, it's very exciting just to read through their trip reports and the tri- like they, obviously they won't have a trip report for this one just yet. They, uh, they just, uh, landed in Poonvernatuk on, uh, on the 4th of August. So once they update that, but you can go to previous trip reports and, and it's, uh, it, they're very well written. They have some YouTube videos. One of the, one gentleman that they have with them, Chris, he, uh, in the past, he's, uh, he's, uh, made movies about their trips and you can go to YouTube and, and see the, uh, you can see their, Chris's movie about, uh, previous trips that they he's gone with them. And it's, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's very interesting, very exciting to watch them do this trip. And, and what's neat, and I got to look into this inReach thing, but it's, it's very neat the, uh, how he does the updates. Of course, it's very customized. He's wrote, written, uh, computer scripts for, so that it automatically updates his website and, and the map. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's just that knowing what that is like up there. Um, that'd be something to, to be up there paddling that. Yeah. Right. I mean, I would love to do something like that. Oh yeah, I know. Like the, the, uh, they're, they're on this route. They talk about, uh, finding old, uh, structures and stone cairns. And so there it's, uh, it, there, it's not populated up here, up there, 
but they're finding evidence of uh, previous uh, Viking settlements and whatnot. And it's uh, it's very interesting, the stuff that they come across. Like they'll they'll be portaging or they'll be somewhere and they'll find an old broken down skidoo or they'll find chunks of metal along the river's edge. So these trips, these rivers have been traveled not a lot, but a few people have gone down them. And so there's thousands of years of history that they're seeing on this route. Yeah, I got to imagine that uh, they're seeing quite a bit of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I know some of the stuff they were talking about was um, snow still there. Yes, yes. So it's, it's snow, but very warm. So, it, you know, the snowpack would have been very thick in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. And now it's starting to melt up. Well, even Jim Baird, adventurer uh, that we know there, he's walked across. Yeah. So, you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll put their information on our, our Facebook page and uh, people can go check it out. And uh, you can go to their their website and check out all their their yes. different trip logs. And I'm sure we're going to mention it again once they get their trip reports on their website. Well, there definitely does seem to be a lot of people out there taking their their passion for paddling to that next level on a you know uh, personal sort of level. You got Lester and Lynette out there paddling for 30 days. Incredible trips. You got Mike Ranta paddling across the country with his dog. I mean, this is fantastic stuff. I think we need to touch base on that on on another on a couple other shows here. In the meantime, you can find us on paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook and you can find us on Instagram. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to our show this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.